When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Officially a Celtic, Gordon Hayward put the ink on the paper this past Friday. A press conference is now in store for Mr. Hayward to don his new number 20 jersey. Hopefully build himself a Hall of Fame career in Boston. 2,800 miles to the west of the hub, more Hall of Fame fantasies are taking form out in the NBA Summers League. But from whom of the Summer Celts? We'll have to ask a Hall of Famer himself. David Aldridge to go along with CLNS's own Danny LaRue here on episode number 218. Today is Sunday, July 16th, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, and I am Larry H. Russell. Well, the Celts offseason was certainly uh, busy. I feel like I'm not even going to get to it all on this show. I mean, news continues to trickle out from former second-round picks being cut all the way down to the longtime strength and conditioning coach being replaced. But the important stuff is done, so we presume. I can't imagine there's going to be anything more or else Danny would not have called that presser this past Friday. So, DA, what sort of is the national or even your perception in a nutshell of the Celts offseason? Well, look, they... they didn't get Paul George, which was their top target, but they got a very good, you know, number two target in Gordon Hayward. So, um, you know, in an Eastern Conference that is clearly not as good as the Western Conference, um, Boston made itself stronger, I think, um, and put itself in even better position to challenge Cleveland next season. Uh, I would think a fair... Uh, a fair analysis of the East would say that, you know, Boston is probably the clear favorite or a clear threat to Cleveland in, in the East going into next season, unless we have some other uh, major personnel changes before uh, camps open. So they had a good off season. They're going to miss Avery Bradley, but, um, you know, I think Gordon Hayward just allows, gives them some options offensively that, that really are going to make them a very difficult team to guard. One of the favorite things that you publish, I believe it is you, are our off-season power rankings on NBA.com. Have you done those yet, or are you still we're still not there at the end of the off-season? No, that usually usually winds up being done. Um, I try to wait till after uh, July because you never know. There, there's sometimes or occasionally late deals in July, and I remember even a few years ago the Dwight Howard deal uh, to the Lakers didn't happen until early August, so. Um, you know, I, I want to make sure it's as comprehensive as possible. So you have to kind of allow for late trades and or signing. And, you know, this year, for example, um, the, the rankings will obviously be impacted by, you know, when and if Carmelo Anthony is traded. And if you want to go into Houston, which we all suspect we ultimately will, um, that would change clearly change Houston's position and where, where they are. Um, so I try to wait till 
the end of July, early August. I wish you were even going to mention the infamous Kevin Garnett deal, July 31st, 2007, but the present moment. Right, right. Gordon Hayward is a Celtic, and this is actually my first opportunity to speak on the matter in its own right. Uh, all coverage of Gordon Hayward in Boston with the Celtics. Danny Ainge had a press conference this past Friday. You know where to go, raw and uncut in HD on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media, youtube.com slash CLNS Media. Roundtable guys, they're still banging it out daily during the week, but that is then. To quote the world's most accurate investment analyst, Mr. Jim Grant, he of Grant's podcast on the CLNS Media mobile app. There is no time like the present, and the present is now here with, I'm sure, a many of listeners already recognize his voice, Hall of Fame reporter for Turner Sports and the NBA on TNT, David Aldridge, one of the most foreknown and pioneer NBA insiders. You were the first to report the extended details of, of Hayward's contract back on the 4th. Uh, some details upon him being able to opt out and sign a 10-year veteran max. DA, you tweeted this out via your at the Aldridge, TNT Twitter. Got it right. Uh, but for the immediate appetite of our mm-hmm. listeners, feel free to utilize this space to reiterate what details you know of Hayward's deal with Boston at this present moment. Um, well, again, I mean, it's, uh, you know, four years. He has an option after the third year. He can opt out. I suspect he will because after – three years he'll be a 10-year veteran and he'll be eligible for that 10-year max contract that you know guys like LeBron James have gotten in the last few years and uh, I would imagine that Gordon will opt for that uh, option will take that option and um, get that uh, huge contract that uh, 10-year vets can get Um, so um, he's you know, it's a it's a fairly standard max contract um, for guys of his stature and guys of his talent level, um, and uh, he's earned that. So, um, yeah, he'll he'll play three years, I'm sure, out of you know play the first three years out, and then you know see what the landscape is. And, and I would imagine Boston at that point will uh, pretty easily you know agree to give him the ten year max deal. Although I should say some guys are are take are doing it in different ways now. They're they're going for the shorter deals, the one plus one deals that allow them to kind of keep their own flexibility and wait for uh, additional opportunities to cash in. And it also gives uh, the team a little help. So I suppose that's possible. I can't predict what's going to happen three years from now. I want to have a little fun. Last time I was here on this broadcast was the eve of the Hayward signing. And and listen, I I always felt he'd be a Celtic all along. Even the glass... Uh, is 95% empty himself. Just Jeff Goodman uh, said on this show that it's 50-50 he's going to be a Celtic before free agency opens. So so how about this, DA? Without giving the full most details of your proprietary information, take us through sort of the life of David Aldridge covering the Gordon Hayward recruitment and even any sentiments you felt in the lead-up, say, on July 3rd-ish of where he was going to go. Um, well, I mean, you know, he was, uh, obviously there were three teams that were, were, you know, the most likely to sign him. He was either going to go to Boston, he was either going to go to Miami or he was going to stay in Utah. So, I mean, it was, it was fairly easy to, to cover. Um, I thought that all three teams could make a compelling case for him. Uh, Boston's case was, was clear that, um, he has a relationship with coach even so he knows the offense he knows the system he knows um, the ways that uh, Brad would get him open uh, he would be playing with an all-star and Isaiah Thomas and a, and a team of very good role players 
uh, you know, former All-Star and Al Horford. Um, so it was a it was a good match for him. It was a good opportunity for him. Um, and it's going to the East as opposed to being in that meat grinder out West. Miami's position, I'm sure, was we're you know we're rebuilding this thing really quickly. Um, you know they they recovered from a terrible start last year to almost make the playoffs and. Uh, they would argue that nobody can offer you the lifestyle that, that we can living in Miami, living in South Beach, living in a state with no income tax, you know. Um, and on a young and growing team that has a lot of uh, players like Hassan Whiteside and Dragic and uh, Justice Winslow and guys that are up and coming. Um, and again, being in the East, you have an opportunity not only to uh, – make the playoffs and, and have opportunities to, to go deep in the playoffs, but you also have opportunities to make all-star teams and things that probably would not be available to you out West. And Utah's push was, you're, you know, you're home, you know what we do. You've grown with this team. You, you have a great relationship with Quinn Snyder. You're, you know, teammates like Joe Ingles and Joe and George Hill are, are close friends. We're growing in the West. Um, nobody is going to probably be Golden State next year or maybe the year after but certainly we're poised in a few years to to be a challenging team in the west so those were the kind of parameters of it um everybody was offering the max so there was no question about that uh, utah could offer more with the fifth year um and so you kind of just approach it that way like that's what happens and you take stock of the meetings and Try to stay on top of it as much as possible in terms of where he's where he may be leaning or what he may be thinking. But Gordon kept a lot of it close to the vest. There wasn't a lot coming out of his camp as he kind of assessed and evaluated those three teams. Here's an open-ended but I think very valuable question. It seems as if Boston is, is pretty much done for the rest of the offseason. They may have a little bit of an issue towards the end of the roster of who's going to make the you know the 15th roster spot. Sammy Ojale is playing very well in summer league. I want to talk about that with Danny LaRue coming up. But, I mean, are there any other potential moves that the Celtics could make? I mean, is there anything that you're hearing at all? I think this is a little too obvious, but nonetheless, we must ask you, Mr. Aldridge. I mean, I suspect that they will be in the market for a veteran bid. It's no secret that size is an issue um, with Boston. You know, they they had to let Olenek go. Um, Amir Johnson left uh, via free agency. Um you know, so those are two of the guys that, that were in their rotation as bigs, and they need a they need somebody to help Horford on the glass. So, um, you know, I'm sure they're they're in the market for a, a veteran big that they can sign with. Uh, what I'm not sure exactly what exceptions they have left. I'm sure that you know they're 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 still working through that. As you mentioned, they still have to clear some cap room. They, I think they waived Jordan Mickey to clear some additional cap room. So, um, once they get right up against the cap, they probably would have. Uh, you know, the room exception um, to use. So um, they'll be uh, in the market for a veteran big that that's not going to take a lot of money. And and the, the good news for them is that I think that there there are you know a few guys that are out there that haven't found a home yet. They might be able to bring in. We'll be asking this question a quadrillion times on this broadcast over the next X amount of months, actually the next 11 months or so. You'll be talking, there are plenty of uh, discussion points on this on various NBA and Turner sports programming as well. And you pretty much know where I'm going. So to get you out of here, pretty much the favorite question you're going to get. So some very good practice for you, DA, for you to ask is, is there any potential possibility that Boston could upend Cleveland next year, save for the 
if LeBron gets injured? Well, if you know, assuming everybody's healthy going in, uh, you know, look, I, I do think that they're where where they've closed the gap is, you know, this is a league of scoring now, and to beat the best teams, you have to outscore them. You can't defend them. You know, you're not going to stop them. Uh, and I think you you saw, and we all saw in the Eastern Finals last year that, you know, Cleveland was just devastating offensively, um, and Boston couldn't get couldn't keep up with them offensively um obviously once isaiah went out that was not going to happen but even when he was in there it was diff- it was very difficult for them to stay with uh with the cavaliers offensively i think gordon hayward helps in that regard i think he will allow some creativity they can play some smaller lineups maybe and be more competitive and be a, a tougher team to guard um you know Cleveland did was was really aggressive at getting trying to get the ball out of Isaiah's hands, much like the Wizards were in the second round. I think with with varying degrees of success. So um, now he has an option; he has somebody to throw the ball to. And Gordon's a very good playmaker, um, and and I think a very good finisher. He's a strong, very strong guy. So they'll be able to score more, and they'll be able to stay. In, I think they'll be more competitive with Cleveland in that regard next year. I still believe Cleveland's the best team in the East, um, and I think that there's still a very sizable gap between them and everybody else. But, again, as you mentioned, injuries are a part of it, especially in the playoffs after a long season. You know, if if Kyrie Irving is not 100%, if LeBron is not 100%, then that gap shrinks even further. So the Celtics are certainly poised. And, I, you know, I should add, you know, Tatum as well is going to really help in that regard because he is a flat-out scorer. Um, and I think Jalen Brown being more involved and maybe playing some two and some three will give them some length and some possibilities defensively. So they have added some pieces that I think are going to help close that gap. Um, but I've learned that you, you bet against LeBron at your own peril. And so um, he's He's a remarkable player, and and um, so right now I would still say Cleveland is the team to beat. Like I said, that's a very good answer for a dress rehearsal. That's going to be probably the first. Maybe I may probably answer that question at least a handful of times now. But either way, you're probably going to get it at least a thousand more times over the next ten, eleven months. But David Aldridge from Las Vegas for NBA TV's coverage of Summer League. NBA TV is your year-round TV destination for the latest NBA news and analysis. Can safely predict, though, the Celtics will be on the NBA on TV and T a numerous of times this coming season. But why wait until then to see DA follow the Hall of Famer on Twitter at TNT. As the executive producer here at CLNS Media, I would like to utilize this time for a brief announcement on behalf of the network. It is with great pleasure that we welcome many to the CLNS family. In the world of sports, our dear friend and frequent guest on Celtics Beat, legendary Boston sports scribe and basketball savant, Mr. Bob Ryan himself. Bob Ryan's Boston podcast is now available for download on the free CLNS Media mobile app. We are also proud to announce that All Everything reporter Mike Petraglia has joined the team as he was down in Waltham for Danny Ainge's press conference back on Friday, available at youtube.com slash clnsmedia. For all the latest news on the network, follow us on Twitter at clnsmedia. And don't stop there, because why sit on the sidelines of history when you can get on board with us here on the white-hot CLNS Express? We're hiring both audio-video production, graphic design, staff writing, social media to work alongside our celebrity personalities. 
and we are doing so utilizing ZipRecruiter where we get all of our candidates in one place with just one click. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan to try it for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. I do have to ask, how was Vegas actually? Because you do it, you sound great compared to everybody else who I've talked to come back to the summer league. Well, I don't gamble and I don't really drink, so I, I a lot of the other things that weigh other people down don't really affect me in that way. So, uh, but I was still it was a long time because I was also in Utah, so uh, which is relevant for the Celtic stuff as well. So there's I've no been gambling, I've been gone. There's from, no gambling and drinking there. Oh, there's some drinking. Oh, but there's not a lot I of gambling. Figured, I figured that was against the moral code. Not for everybody. Yeah. For some. Listen, it's my first time back in a real long time. I was just on the line with DA, and I just couldn't believe. It. I mean, there's. I mean, the thing. I didn't. Even, I could barely even touch upon the Celtics news. I mean, I did. I do one golf tournament uh, last weekend, and it's. I mean, not only did I miss just the Hayward signing, of, which happened a few days after, for, you know, a few hours after, for that matter the last episode that I personally did, but all the Celtics news that I, I just almost can't even touch upon, not just, I mean, the Bradley trade, Marcus Morris coming in. Uh, you're even going to have to help me with these names, dude. I mean, you of know, course. Aaron Baines, etc. I mean, I just, so you'll look at him, tough guy, to, uh, you know, veteran yeah. white big that can rebound a bit because I don't watch, I never was ever really able to watch much, much of Detroit. Marcus Morris, you know, tough guy, tenacious perimeter defender. Forgive me if I'm wrong with these standard cliches. I mean, he's, he's like a strength more than length type of defender. You know, guards with attitude. You know, you have, have like a Jalen Brown for agility purposes. Maybe uh, Marcus Morris, best case scenario is him of, of what fans envision P.J. Tucker, you know, could have been if he ever round up a cell. Am I, am I right on that? Uh, I think P.J. is a better defender just in terms of like, just in terms of length and intention. But I, I think that's, it's kind of along the, it's along similar lines. It's not here, too far off. Here with Danny LaRue of Real GM Radio on the CLNS Media Network mobile app. Danny, thanks for joining us. Thanks freshly back from Vegas. We're going to talk a little bit about Vegas because I haven't even touched upon really the Vegas Summer League this this far into the episode when I specifically have to. That is what has been going on pretty much currently or, or at least most recently. We've spent so much on Gordon Hayward, of course. You know, I just spent so much time with D.A., on on Gordon Hayward and really you know never really talked about his fit in Boston and you know there's been plenty of discussions of his fit in Boston over these last uh how long it's been since he signed now about uh 12 13 days since the news became official I did read Zach Lowe's uh little snippet in terms of just this you know in terms of being part of the, the flow offense you watched a lot of I mean you watched a ton of Utah Jazz games you're you know the Golden State Warriors the team in which uh you follow the, the most of all NBA teams uh you certainly saw a lot of them. What do you sort of, you know, roughly, I guess, a little synopsis in the mind of Danny LaRue, see Hayward's fit on the Celtics being like five months from now once we get these games rolling officially? Offensively, I think it's really natural. And there are a couple different elements that I like about it. One is, at a basic level, Gordon Hayward can play on and off the ball and make good decisions when the ball is in his hands. And in Utah his role shifted a lot over the course of the years and over the course of situations because George Hill, a wonderful player, somebody I'm sure you've watched at various stops in his career, he was good when he was on the floor, but he was out a bunch. And so what that meant was that Hayward went from being a little bit more active to being a little bit more off ball. And that's going to work well with Isaiah because Isaiah, you know, when, when Isaiah is on the floor, Isaiah is going to be a big part of the offense. And of course they can use flow and everything else. But what Hayward brings that the Celtics desperately needed last year 
is somebody else who's capable with the ball in their hands either when Isaiah's not feeling it or when Isaiah's off the floor. Interesting, though. I mean, you made that point, though, but, you know, this sort of just, you know, hit something right in my head. You like Hayward more off-ball than on-ball? No, I like him both. Okay. I, I think he's right. capable in both ways. I don't know that I like him more one or the other. For a, for a small forward, I like him better on-ball, but, I mean, there are guys like Isaiah, obviously, who are at the at the top of the league and so I'd probably like him a little bit less than those type of guys I don't want to talk about Boston's defense yet we're just not at that point in terms of we're I feel like I want to save that as whenever I talk about Isaiah's defense I'd like you know what let's save that for the winter months or let's save that for <laughs> January when they lose four you know four random games in January to some subpar teams then we can use one episode here to complain about Isaiah's defense or why the Celtics are underachieving defensively well, I am a little skittish about their defensive potential this year, but offensively, I think this team, outside of obviously Golden State, they're they're the best offense in the league. Cleveland's usually up there as well. They were you know top in the league in offense for the longest time up until the end of the season when they took the pedal off the metal a little bit that really skewed their rankings. But I like to think that Boston is going to be the second most efficient offense in the NBA with what they have potentially. I mean, is this a prediction that you think stuff suffice to say is legitimate on my end to have? I think you could feel that way. I'm personally leaning towards Houston for that second spot because they just have so much offensive talent. They've really kind of turned in that direction. But Boston, can they can be in that mix too. Well, actually, one of the definitive answers to that question, one of the things that's going to be determinative, is which team is better when their stars are off the floor. And that's something that the Celtics have shifted on with Gordon Hayward, depending on how Brad Stevens manages the rotation. You know, now I think they have better talent now to weather those storms when Isaiah's off the floor. Houston, they have Chris Paul and James Harden. I'm not sure they're going to have any storms because they'll probably separate those guys because it's a good idea. So I would say Houston's probably the favorite for second, but Boston is in that mix, and it wouldn't surprise me if they got it. Yeah, I actually think the. I mean. <laughs> I don't like to harp on the negative. Not in the summer. The summer is always just, you know, the sun's out all the time. I think that the one thing that they're really going to have to deal with is the loss of Olenek because they right now haven't really replaced. And, I mean, just, you know, he didn't, he had an off year hitting three-pointers. Our, our lasting memory of Kelly Olenek essentially was his game seven against Washington. So we just, I mean, just naturally have a very positive outlook of him. But for much of the season, he kind of quote-unquote struggled. Uh, you know, he just he didn't hit the three point shot as efficiently as he did two years ago or a year ago. It's the, basically the twenty sixteen the twenty sixteen season. But just him being on the court for that second unit did so much to space the floor. And there were times when he was on the court with Horford at the end of games that spaced the floor very, very, very well. And they had a very efficient offense with Isaiah and then Horford and Olenek. I mean, could you just sort of, I guess, really extend maybe, you know, upon absolutely the point I'm getting on is really how the Celtics are going to replace Olenek or if they can replace him at all in terms of just of his ability alone to stretch the floor, let alone any type of shot-making ability, which I always felt was sort of a bonus. I think what they're going to miss with Olenek is actually a little bit more of his playmaking, just the ability with the ball in his hands to make good decisions. It's not like taking a couple dribbles and creating space. It's just, you know, his ability to space the floor and then make a good pass, things like that. But what the Celtics look like they're going to do, and as you kind of alluded to, we're not entirely sure what their rotation is going to look like. I think they're going to be playing fewer traditional big men, and generally speaking, going back, even if you want to talk about the old Red Auerbach playing smalls versus bigs stuff, generally speaking, smaller guys have more capability in those sorts of ways. So if they're changing Kelly Olynyk to Aaron Baines, then that is one limitation. I don't think that's what they're doing. I think they're going to give more minutes to 
Marcus Morris, maybe to Jay Crowder at the four, things like that. And while those players are not the same as Olenek, they have a, a, a capability that is different than what is a quote-unquote traditional power forward. I wanted to, you just hit, you, you nailed it, because I had that on my agenda. I wanted to get it. Here we are on July 16th, for that matter. I wanted to ask you, Danny LaRue, for the Celtics' top eight slash nine. Usually Stevens at the beginning of the year pretty much plays all the guys. But give me sort of a top nine uh, rotation prediction, and even if you want, the starting five of the Celtics you know, next year. I'm still processing the starting five, but I think, obviously, Isaiah Horford and Hayward are in there. I would say Crowder is as well. And I think the most likely outcome, it might change a little bit on circumstance, is actually that they play start Hayward at shooting guard, Tech nominally. I mean, Stevens, as you know, is not the biggest fan of positional labels, and I understand where he's coming from. So that last spot could go in a, a lot of different directions. I've heard some people say that maybe they'll go bigger with Aaron Baines, or they can go, you know, a couple different directions. But then, of course, Baines is in the rotation, Marcus Smart is in the rotation, Jalen Brown is in the rotation. I don't think Jalen's going to start. I think he'll come off the bench. Terry Rozier is in rotation. And then my big question is, where does Jason Tatum fit in immediately? I think he will be a part of the conversation at the bare minimum. But they have so many guys that there isn't that urgency, which you see from so many teams that pick a player in the top five, top three in his case. See, I wanted to say this for a different week, only because we're going to have so much time to fill. As we, as you know, as an NBA podcast yourself, we're going to have a lot, you know, time to fill with discussion. But I'll save it for another show in terms of what exactly what I'm going to say. I actually do think Jalen's going to start. I think, you know, what pretty much for him, it all comes down to just hit the corner three. That's all that it matters. I think for Jalen Brown. All right, so I do now want to transition a little bit because we're going to, now that's going to lead us to talking a little bit about Jalen Brown. This is where I'm really going to need you, Danny, because I caught some very early summer league games when they were out in Utah. I haven't been able to watch them as much in Vegas, believe it or not. Uh, so I could ask you, you spend as much, you know, you stayed a lot of time in Utah, a lot of time in Vegas. Not so much, too, with the CLNS guys that were all out there as well. You were d- deep diving in at all the games, as you always do. But, yeah, any sort of impressions that you had seeing and being able to watch the summer Celtics in person? And I guess, let's you know, let's uh, keep it sort of quote-unquote big three centric you know I know there may be some guys I might have caught your eye but of course the only names that sort of are, are relevant in the minds of the South uh, people who you know follow the team are Tatum you know the third overall draft pick Jalen Brown and Ante Zizic you can really start anywhere if you want well I'm gonna break up a fourth guy but there will be a reason for it and I'll explain that later so Ojale, right yes okay All right. and and so I'll start with Jalen, somebody who I'm more familiar with, not only because he played in the NBA last year, but because he went to Cal, which is out near me in Northern California. And he sh- looked a lot more comfortable with the ball in his hands. His jump shot looked more more natural, which is a, a very good sign. You said he you know, just stay in the corners. I-, I don't think he's all the way there yet, but I think he's closer. And his fit, depending on what kind of lineups they want to go with I think it can make some sense because what he'll be doing is he'll be attacking off of closeouts he'll be attacking when other teams are kind of disjointed I think that's going to be more his role he's not going to they're not really going to dump him the ball and say fix it that's not really going to be Jalen's spot and I think that will work better for him in the early days I thought that's what I saw mostly in Utah I think that's where he really stood out to me Jalen is a talent I'm still trying to figure out 
who he's best at defending and who he's worst at defending. You don't really get a good sense of that in summer league because a very few guys are playing defense and b you're not getting NBA talent mostly on the perimeter, so you don't get to have that opportunity of like trying to shut down a guy. Jason Tatum is fascinating. Somebody that I've I've followed for a while. I actually saw him play for the first time at the Nike Hoop Summit back in 2016. I talked with him then. Good kid. I think my only criticism of him at this moment is that it's it's going to be a strange thing to say, but he's too comfortable taking bad shots. He's not bad at him. He's better at taking hard shots than almost anybody. The Celtics have plenty of those guys, so he'll fit right in, I guess. Right. So I think that when he can sand off those rough edges, when basically once he realizes, I don't need to take those shots, I can push harder, try to get into the lane, draw fouls more frequently than he does right now, that he will be a very good player. But I think that might take a year. I think it might take a year of Stevens and the assistant coaches just just putting their head through a wall to get there with him, but I think he will get there, and that's what makes him different. And so I can see the I can see the end game with him more than with some other guys because A, I've talked with him, and because he's savvy in a lot of other ways. He is a good defensive rebounder in terms of positioning and recognition. I like his passing for a guy who, you know, he's not Tate Osich, he's not Ricky Rubio or anything like that, but he, he can see things and he can get the ball to where it needs to be which when you're a forward, that's really all you need. And so, and then Zizic... I, I want to jump in, though, because, we, we you know, the hot take of Summer League came from one of our favorite guests on the show was Jeff Goodman. Right, I mean, right out of the gate, he made a statement in Summer League out in Utah, and, and Goodman's been, you know, riding him anyway. He called him the most impressive guy in Summer League. Is that is that a statement that you back up? No, okay. it is not. I, I don't think he was, to me, I liked Dennis Smith better. I liked... Well, what I saw from Tatum at a couple moments in Utah, or sorry, sorry, Marco Fultz in Utah, um, but Tatum looked good. You know, I, I don't think he was at at quite that level because at his best he was close to undeniable, and that's really what I'm looking for. Is you know, can somebody enforce their will? And there were a couple of times where he had a good defender on him and he settled a little too much. And so, to me, the most impressive guys in summer league don't do that but he looked very good that is saying that a guy is not the best is not a big criticism when you think that they're close to that no i know all right now we can go to zizi just we know he got off to that he got off to a slow start there was was some stamina issues there i guess it was simply just i mean was it simply a case of just you know not being adapted playing quote-unquote NBA-ish talent, because as we know, that's, you know, Summer League is at best, as we know we can refer to it as NBA-ish talent, but I mean, he got off to that slow start, he did have a lot of issues with endurance, but he played a lot better towards the end there, he was uh, very effective on the glass for the Celtics, so yeah, you can take the floor on him. Zizic, like many other more, let's call them ground-bound centers, has a, a poor fit with Summer League because Summer League is dominated be- just due to the format by the athletic guys that can court. just run up and yeah. down the floor. There isn't much defense played. And generally speaking, the surrounding talent doesn't have much patience for just throwing the ball into the big guy and having him work for two and a half seconds and then shooting. So Zizic was never, to me, going to look great in this format. What concerned me a little bit was that it, it the adjustment kind of thing because Zizic, unlike a lot of players who are coming into the NBA, he's played at a high level before. You know, he's played in the in the Adriatic, he's played against professionals before. So 
I think a lot of it was that adjustment. I did see some better recognition from him later on. So he didn't look great, but that wasn't a concern for me because I didn't expect him to in this format. Now you can go to your man, Sammy Ojale. The reason I didn't throw him on the cheat sheet for us, Danny, because even as, as well as he's played and as much as people, I mean, Jeff Goodman uh, came with the same thing, Sam Vecini and, and a lot of, you know, highly astute uh, draft analysts. They love that pick for the Celtics. He's played, you know, he's been very, very good for the Celtics in summer league. I mean, I just don't think that he's going to make the team, unfortunately. I mean, if we had this, if this was a uh, main Red Claws beat, I guess we should uh, give him his due. But, you know, you, you, it seems like you want to get a word in on him. I was very impressed with him. His defensive versatility is incredibly unusual for a rookie. I mean, especially a rookie in summer league. He, at moments in, I think it was in Utah and in Vegas, defended centers. He bounced around a lot. I think not only is he deserving of a roster spot on the Celtics, if he were on a team that had fewer kind of wing guys, I'd say he would deserve rotation minutes this coming season. That's no. how good he looked. He's on a Brad that, Stevens team. If, if, if you can play, you play. Brad Stevens right. is, is, is as uh, fair and as just as anyone in the history of Western civilization in the last 25 years. That's not a hyperbole either. I think that he deserves I, – I haven't gone through their math yet, but I think the 15th spot is sort of available. The whole Jordan Mickey thing, I need to, to work through that. But Ojale deserves that spot, and I'm not, I'm not sure he's going to play, but they, they should give it to him. Danny LaRue, follow the man on Twitter, at Danny LaRue, L-E-R-O-U-X. So this is my favorite question to ask you. We know that you're everywhere, of course, the LNS Media Network, mobile app, Real GM Radio, the host, but there are many other endeavors in that which you do, so you can plug whatever you want on our way out of here, man. So I wrote I've, I wrote about Russell Westbrook, uh, the situation with his renegotiate or with his designated veteran extension that he could sign. He hasn't signed it yet. That is at the Sporting News, working on new stuff at the Athletic all the time. And yeah, new stuff pops up. Real Jam Radio will be back in the very near future. And then of course the Dunked On Basketball Podcast with Nate Duncan. You know I've been alluding to throughout the broadcast. Very little assertion, interjection on my end. That's a rarity for me, huh? I mean, but there was just so much to get to, especially with two guests. I, I couldn't even get to it all. Even Abdel Nader getting a contract. I, we, I, Danny, Danny, and I briefly discussed the final roster spot with Sammy Ojale. We never even brought up his name, and he just, uh, you know, signing that, that uh, four-year, partially guaranteed deal. And if he or, or Ojale can make it, uh, I, I, <laughs> I, ha- I got to detail my outlines far better coming into this than I did for this specific broadcast. Maybe I should put out a little help wanted out there for, the, for those who would, who would be willing to work alongside me on that. But this whole show, I, I kept having this psychological battle with myself. Am I, am I missing anything? Am I missing anything? It's been that just crazy of the past uh, really 10 days for the Celts. I mean, it, just really, it just shows how, how busy they have been. Every time you hear complaints of, oh, Danny's just sitting on his, on his uh, behind, it's, you sort of roll your eyes. You can point to these past 10 days that just really just is not the case with Danny or anyone associated with the Celtics as, as proof why. And, and in turn, that just shows how, how busy we, uh, us here at CLNS have been. So, But I do feel like we got to the important stuff, didn't we? I really do. And, and it certainly I was not needed as we have plenty of space for my monologues coming up. We'll be desperate for that in that end. Uh, so I figure those months can be saved for that. I, I sense the basketball intellect of this particular broadcast was certainly covered with both Hall of Famer David Aldridge and potential future Hall of Famer Danny LaRue. I would have put it past him. Uh, I have to give them their due justice, that is for sure. Anyways, 
we certainly appreciate them stopping by. And of course, those who download the show every week, including this production of Celtic Beat being presented by ZipRecruiter and HelloFresh. I didn't give them their shout-out. Meal kit delivery service for meals less than $10 per meal. Find out more information and save $30 on your first delivery by going to HelloFresh.com slash Beat30. HelloFresh.com slash Beat30, B-E-A-T-3-0. Episode number 218 is now in the books, so let's put the cap on it with the script. Music was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Legrato. For graphic designer Scott Dillon, founder of the network, Nick Gelso. This is the executive producer of CLNS Media and the host of Celtics Beat, Larry A. Trussell, signing off. <laughs>